Hello and welcome to the TOVG podcast. We are all the same here. We all talk about bodily functions here. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know, right? Unfortunately, this week, Jimmy will not be joining us due to some very unexpected electrical work occurring in the TOVG offices here today <laughs> at the, uh, the, the lovely, scenic seaside town of Redondo Beach, California. How are, how are we enjoying this sunny California weather, everyone? Oh, it's oh, it's just too hot right now. Oof. I know that it's right now it um three <laughs> three hours behind whatever the East Coast time is. Uh, <laughs> as you heard, we have Matt Visual in here with us this week. We also have a good friend of mine named Gilly Catalano. <laughs> nice. I've never had to say your last name though before, so it's fine, right? We're yeah. so cool, right? Yeah. Uh, he goes by Gilly the Kid on Twitter. He has a YouTube channel that is uh, quite enjoyable if you want to see little snippets of us arguing drunkenly about meat boy at magfest uh it was no it was sonic it was sonic boom no you but no you made a video about how um oh oh, i said meat boy didn't i i meant to say shovel knight it's a very interesting evening here so anyways we're all east coasters this time which is like kind of useful for for lag purposes but we also had had a hell of an evening where on top of the like electrical catastrophe with jimmy matt kind of had a grocery catastrophe and <laughs> it's gonna be a late a night parent this catastrophe. Is the late night podcast right right we're, we're starting late but that's okay because we're still getting it done that's what we do Get here <laughs> here at the tovg offices in the sunny seaside town of port redondo <laughs> california yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we uh we we never leave any any duty undone if you know what i mean <laughs> wow wow we're already popping into the uh, what video bodily games? functions huh? what video games <laughs> popping in what video games have we been playing this week you guys <laughs> mm. um you guys go first uh, okay, talk right, to us I'll about go Mortal Kombat. I've been playing okay. Pokemon Rumble World. <laughs> what the fuck is Pokemon Rumble World? <laughs> are you are you Somebody, shitting me? Yeah, yeah, I'm googling this. Pokemon Rumble World. Rumble World. It's another free, free oh. iPhone-ish Nintendo game for the 3DS. Oh, but it's wait. not an actual iPhone. So they, it's not one of the first. Uh, the first of of the the mobile Nintendo rollouts. Well, it, well this is Even this one came well out be. after Pokemon Shuffle. And Pokemon Shuffle is basically that as well. You know, you know, match three game with a Pokemon skin on it. You know, mm. um, this one is uh, basically you go around. It's it's weird. It's weird because it is fun in a way. Um, you collect Pokemon by going into different areas um, using hot air balloons, right? And it chooses which stage you go on by random. Um, and you, like, you click the wheel. Once you go on the stage, random Pokemon would appear and you have to, like, attack them. Uh, their um, weaknesses come into play. Uh, so you can do super effective. You can switch out Pokemon at any time. Um, you get bonuses for not switching out Pokemon. Uh you know they they everyone has like two attacks you know it's very simple you know use pikachu and he does like thundershock and whatever but they all change and they all have like different stats so there's a lot to like grind on um but what happens so at its core it is fun you know you see a rare pokemon you actually collect it you get a drop 
because they just drop over dead and you pick them up. You know, they're like, if, if you attack them and their life goes down, they'll like f- pop up in the air and like like they're dead and then you could like just grab them up so once you collect a lot of them uh you gain levels by collecting pokemon and um but then you have two two ways to earn money okay you have you have are, are we talking diamonds yeah l- yeah there we go two we have diamonds and then we have okay. p points i see I've, p points gross p i hate points. those those are my least favorite kind yeah, yeah. you get p points from um dead pokemon once you kill them that's um, morbid think of uh, the yeah. christians so you kill you kill the pokemon and then take all their pee yes yes exactly right. you thank you i'm glad you nailed that one i'm glad you so this is, all right so at its core it is fun but the thing is about these types of games is you feel kind of weird when you can buy currency in the game to make you move forward now you can't yeah, just speed through everything you still have to do stuff but it's still there and it still affects it because it's there it affects the gameplay as well even though even though it, you, you could totally play for free it doesn't matter the game is changed because it's there you know what i mean and that's I, why I kind of feel like, oh, man, I don't even know if I want to go too deep into it. But every now and then, it's one of those games where you can't necessarily grind it out. You have to kind of wait for each hot balloon to refill because uh, you only can use it like every hour, some of them every 20 minutes. So, you know, it's one of those games you pick up, you play for a couple, you know, like for an, maybe less than an hour and then you throw it to back down. You know, it's one of those games. Like I did you did you do it? Did you buy some PP? Or, I, did I mean, buy well, no, some, it's the diamonds that you buy, diamonds. right? There we yeah. go. Just Sound gotta get my, like my PP. <laughs> right, um, I buy, I did buy some diamonds for fifty uh, cents. Oh, it was on oh, sale. God. Oh, those I used 50, 50 cents. cents. You could have bought a gumball or something. You <laughs> gumball, those still exist. Hold on, do we still have machines where you could put twenty five cents in? And I think you got like put fifty gumball? cents in now. Oh man, price is going up. I remember when it used to be five yeah. cents, man. Yeah, Back the, the value years? of the quarter is yeah, going I remember way down. when it used to be a nickel. Yeah. Wait, really? No. <laughs> yeah. Man, you old fuckers had it so nice, and then you complained to us. Well, we got to deal with the inflation, I, recession, I, well, and all that. I lived mm. in Miami, where everyone is equal, and there's no racism and stuff. We, we now that I live in Georgia with you, I know you came it's a little bit <laughs> from Miami to Georgia, where it's yeah, so much huge difference, <laughs> so much more peaceful. <laughs> um. <laughs> God. Okay, so you got your you got your two currencies. You got you got your crystals and your peepees. And you mentioned earlier that there was kind of a like random aspect to it where it would spin some kind of wheel with the result randomly determined. And what I suspect, as I do with every single free-to-play game that has ever existed in the history of all mankind, is that anything that looks like a random factor in this thing is not going to be a random factor. <laughs> That, uh, that there are things behind behind the scenes that that us uh, the, the the non-paying among us can simply not comprehend. No, and, it just uh, means you have to grind more. You have to keep playing that hot balloon over yeah. and over and over that's again. That's how they get you unless you, you buy your diamonds. No, well, you don't need to. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. 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 So what what if, happens when you have more diamonds is, and the only way you can earn diamonds, um, other than like saving, like 
I don't know, M- not NPCs or like other me's when you street pass them is doing favors for the king in these challenges. And there's only a set amount. Like he could only earn, you know, that, so depressing that that like challenge and that that's it that no more of that they're just you trying know? to keep us down brother you just yeah. gotta pay money mm-hmm. for the man's diamonds and then and get down can... on your knees and swear to the king that you're gonna be good to them and that's exactly what happens that's uh. exactly what happens because you need to you need to pay two diamonds in order to uh just immediately uh fly in your hot balloon again and recharge it like they you can Whoa, hold pay, on. You can recharge your hot balloon. Yeah. <laughs> the, with 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 this blood hot balloon thing. That this this kind of came out of left field. Yeah. You gotta, so you also have to recharge a hot balloon. Yeah, because a hot playing. balloon has a recharge time. Remember when I said and you can only play? You can only play it like some of them have an hour recharge time. Some have yeah, 20. yeah. That's that's like yeah. You can pay to, free to play exploitative bullshit. Yeah, it's it hurts. It hurts because. It's an okay game. It's not like it's not like oh my gosh, it's amazing. But it's you know it's an okay game to pick up and play. But I feel weird. I feel icky. It's the same reason I stopped playing uh, Pokemon Shuffle. It's just like no, I don't want to pay money for this. This is not that good of a game. Uh, you just you feel nasty. You you go you go to the the the, the king like you're on crack. You know you're sniffing. You're King, dog, you got some more, some more of them gems. You got some more of them, ge- <laughs> some more of them gems, and and then he's like, nah, bro, you gotta wait till tomorrow. <laughs> That's what he says. You gotta wait till tomorrow, or or if you're a higher level. And how do you get a higher level? Pay me money. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, that's that's not a inappropriate analogy because, as <laughs> as I'm sure you will be unsurprised to know about. 100 or 99 let's say 99 percent of free two games revenue comes from like one percent of the consumer base and it is very heavily theorized that it is people with addictive personalities who who do show up to their cell phones just kind of sniffing trembling for some kind of (laughs) sense of positive reinforcement in their lives that they can get from from these little microtransactions yeah they did a south park episode on that I they've I mean at this point there's been a South Park episode <laughs> about fucking everything. But no, there's there's a very specific report. I'm trying to Google it as I um can. They come out with it every year. I believe last year the figure was one or it was something like 0.6 to 1.6% of free to play game consumers actually generate 99% of the revenue that the free to play industry as a whole supports itself with. So what you have here is a phenomenon that is Mm. not unlike that of gambling, where Joe Schmo, like Matt, just given 50 cents to it once every 50 years, like you are not what this industry supports itself with. Instead, it is someone who's either a rich fucker who has no problem spending thousands of money on a game. Oh, man, um, the emotions are just swelling up inside. Um, oh, George. Or someone with serious problems who should not be spending thousands of dollars on Pokemon Bumble Rumble. It's no. a serious problem for, for some people in the world out there. They call them whales in the business. That's yeah. the, uh, yeah, that's the accepted jargon term. Whales. So that's what they teach the kids in, in their business whales. classes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
So gross. I hate, fucking disgusting. <laughs> but, but in closing, it, it's it's a cool game if you have mm, no sure. problem with spending money. I mean, I, I don't mean, believe you. I don't. I I play all these games for free. You know, I I for what it is, I have my fun with it. It's not something I would recommend necessarily. <laughs> you know, especially. You know, some youngins out there stealing your your mom's credit card. We don't. We don't. I don't need to be responsible for any of that. You know oh saying? yeah, I bet that's that's another thing that happens is, is kids oh, happens. stealing oh, their parents' credit card. It happens, <laughs> and they blame they blame they were blaming Apple way back. Remember that? That was some that was some good stories. Uh, right? it's, yeah? it's 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 uh it's shameful and depressing is what it is, <laughs> and it is video games. Uh, Gil, what you been playing? Um. I've been playing uh, this cool little game called uh, Smash. And, uh, I, <laughs> Smash? What's that's, that? That's, what's, it's, kind of, it's kind of what my life consists of, is Smash. I, I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> your life being defined by Smash? Yes. What a, what a weird concept. I bet yeah. that's such a horrifying existence. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, well, usually that's what I find myself playing. And I, you guys were like, what games are you playing? And I, I sat here and tried to think about it. And I'm like, I've really just been playing Smash 4. But I briefly but. tried to play. I mean, I played Mortal Kombat X, and mm-hmm. it's really, really good. But like, I, but. I well, I played. I played in the tournament in uh, Applebee's. <laughs> the the, uh, the, the GameStop. There was a GameStop midnight release Applebee's tournament for Mortal Kombat no. X. And, How'd you do? And well, here's the thing. I got. Did a, you win a gift card? I got. A, not this time. Oh, I, next time. I got eliminated, or or hentai. They they weren't giving out hentai. Um, <laughs> Magfest joke. <laughs> I got eliminated uh, in the first round, and I was really pissed. And I was like, I, "There's no way I'm that bad at the game." And I was super like bummed Maybe. about it. And then I realized like <laughs> later on that the guy who beat me was the guy that won the tournament. Yeah. So and but then they had a just for fun tournament. And I made it to semifinals, so felt a little better about it. But I, I imagine you just like being like, "How the hell did I lose first round?" Yeah. And then the other player looks over at you, slicks back his hair, and puts on a shade of sunglasses <laughs> and says, "See you in the semifinals of the fun tournament." <laughs> Before walking off into the the neon strobe lights with with women in his arms, was that what it was like? Did yeah. you get a gift it, card? That's, that's literally exactly what it was like. Hmm. I'm glad to know that that all of my stereotypical based assumptions are always correct. <laughs> but oh, yeah, man. no, dude, Mortal Kombat X is it's so good. But the the thing is, is that I I didn't have a uh, a current gen platform besides the Wii U, and I was like, all right, sweet, I'm gonna get it for PlayStation Three. And then I found out really late that that they delayed it, and. So, Ooh. and I I actually just got an Xbox One, like, last week, so up until then I didn't have something to play it on, so I was briefly trying to play the Steam version, and my computer apparently doesn't want to run it, but apparently the Steam version's broken anyway, so that's a thing. Yeah. So now you have a, upon buying the Xbox One, as opposed to already owning the game on your PC, you can now say you have a machine that'll play Mortal Kombat X. Yes, correct. So it's it's kind of an interesting situation, though, looking into this game from from someone who's not super duper into Mortal Kombat. I don't know. I played uh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy a lot when I was a kid. 
it was it was fun for a while but they didn't um mortal kombat 9 was kind of a nostalgia piece mm-hmm. and this is like the first time in i want to say i don't know five five years or so that they've actually tried to to spin it out for a new kind of look and design with with some new characters a new motif rather than the nostalgic throwback that that mk9 was well the thing about mk9 though it it wasn't really necessarily like a throwback it was like because it wasn't a reboot it was like a retelling and it's like the the reason that they called it mortal kombat is because they took the whole story and packed it into one game and i guess that's where they're trying to continue it from you know what I mean? Because like and they go I never, back in time or something like that. Some crazy plot oh, that would twist. Be so weird. In, in this one, uh, no, w- in the in the last one, so they can retell the story. Uh, I thought that's that's what it was or something like that. I remember playing of, through it. It's really one of my it's favorite weird. fighting game stories. Well, I uh, it was so, like the portrait artwork in the menu for Johnny Cage. It looks like a straight up HD upscale of, yeah. <laughs> of his sprite in in the classic games. <laughs> Like like so many of of the costumes in the art, this just seemed like nigh on identical to to MK three. It was it, it seemed that like was a, a, like that was a also in Mortal Kombat's prime though. Was was MK three? Yeah. Hmm. That's when it was like super popular, and then like I don't know. I know I fell off. I fell off with it for like years because I mean four was cool, but they kind of just. Things started getting gimmicky, and they were, like, experimenting with 3D stuff, 3D, and it just, it just yeah. got weird. Really weird. And it never really picked back up again until MK9. Yeah. Like, I've had a blast with it, but I've only just played it a few nights with friends, but... They almost went the Sonic route with going to 3D. Oh, oh God. Ooh. Yeah, they came close. They kind of came went close back to there 2D, around, and they're like, oh, again. okay, it works. You bite, <laughs> so, you bite your tongue. <laughs> so many franchises did that. Like, like around 2008 or so, all of a sudden, Worms, and then a few years later, Mortal Kombat, and just like platformers in general were like yo man fuck 3d that's not it's not gonna work we, we exactly. need to give it up <laughs> well that's yes. because even look at like look at like uh Mega Man 9 and 10 because i think they realized there's so many um franchises that, that didn't didn't survive the the um translation into 3d and i think like they they realized that some of those games that didn't really work in 3d still would work as 2d mm-hmm so they brought back some stuff, but I, I don't just, know. Just I kind mean, of picking their battles. Yeah. And I guess one thing people might have noticed, too, is that some franchises, like the core of them, just might not be as well suited to 3D as yeah. opposed to franchises that started with 3D. Because you kind of got more of a fresh slate there. Yeah. Um, Zelda made it through okay. Sanic. Sonic sure didn't. Mortal Kombat tried and didn't. Mega Man tried and didn't. Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 and 3 were like the best. And 4 and 5 and 6 was like the the real good ones. Sonic Adventure 6 is is the the black sheep. Yeah. My favorite Sonic Adventure is Sonic Adventure... I don't know. Sonic Generations was okay, I guess. No, it wasn't! (laughs) You don't don't like Shovel Knight. Your argument's invalid. Sonic Generations was like... An on-rail platformer. Oh, damn. <laughs> so it was a Sonic game. Damn. No, because Sonic, like, okay, the old Sonics, you had, like, splitting paths and stuff, and, like, you got to see how fast you could do it. It's all about going fast. 
Now it's just like <laughs> Sonic Generation. Sonic Generation. First of all, I do not like how the camera zoomed out like twenty miles. And Sonic. Did, did Sonic, I just hear some Dale Gribble? <laughs> it was about going fast. There we go. Which is exactly how he does not talk. Anyway, sorry. I think I I broke you off in the middle of, of a very very important <laughs> important discussion about <laughs> whether or not Sonic should zoom his camera out ten miles away. It's just it's <laughs> not fun. And it's the same thing that happened in Colors too. Because a lot of people like Colors. I don't like Colors because I feel like it's kind of hard to explain. But since the camera's like panned out so much and Sonic's so tiny, I feel like kind of detached. From the game. That's like it, deep. Yeah, it's weird. I remember the thing that I hated most about Sonic Generations was when it kind of slowed down for you to do puzzle stuff, which Sonic mm. Boom had a lot of... There was no puzzles in Sonic Boom. There were there were places <laughs> that tried where the game just kind of like stops and turns into like a poor man's, a broke man's, a drug-addicted homeless man's spelunky. And... I'm their, their puzzles their puzzles were do a thing and then go you press a switch and walk to the yeah. other side of yeah. this really slow um, side scrolling to right right or like the puzzle the puzzle where like you there's these tiles on the floor and they light up and you just have to like sequentially follow them but there's no there's nothing difficult about it the floor just lights up and you walk on it it's <laughs> It, it's not a puzzle. It's just a oh, thing that you do. How sad. Can can we still call them puzzles for posterity's sake? I like can't. I have a big issue with that because like I get it. I get that they're really easy and that puzzles are kind of like supposed to be a challenge by no, definition. That, no, but that's like, like dude, that's like opening the door and be like, dude, there's a puzzle. I solved it. But that's what I like, <laughs> what I have to write like fifteen hundred words a week about Vinci games. What else am I supposed to call the sections of the game? I'm gonna start calling everything a puzzle, dude. I made a sandwich for lunch. Oh, sweet, dude! It's an awesome puzzle. I know. I, I, smart. That, that is the slippery slope fallacy <laughs> that uh, that I, I don't think we'll get quite that carried away with. But when I'm when I'm like reviewing the next Zelda game, because you know the Zelda's chock full of that bullshit. What am I supposed to call a thing where you have to press a bright, clearly labeled switch on a wall with an arrow that opens a door? Look, at least you're using a tool. You're not. It's not like. Is it? Is it a tool usability (laughs) chamber? You you still have to aim and then shoot it. It's not like oh look, make Sonic walk this way. There are Zelda puzzles where you just walk this way and the door opens. And you know and what? It goes, and, you, and, yeah. and you know what? Zelda's fucking garbage now anyway. So and, until we get something better after Skyward, and I don't mean uh, um, Link Between Worlds. That, that was good. Because <laughs> we yeah. did get something better after Skyward Sword than I guess. <laughs> well, no, I mean like the 3D, the 3D Zelda. Because Skyward Sword was poopy. It was poopy. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I need to play I, it. I need to play it to I think it's understand. important to note that the news topics we have in store for this week are very incendiary. We are incensed tonight. We are swelling with, um, sorry, I dropped my pen. We are swelling with, <laughs> with righteous nerd anger tonight. But first I want to talk about something I've enjoyed quite a lot this week, and that was Crypt of the Necrodancer. Man, that shit, hmm, lighthearted, boopy, uh, bright, 
creative fun. It's it's great. I don't really have any super duper serious complaints about the game beyond just me not being able to get used to this control scheme. I don't know. Have you guys played it or watched stuff I, about this game? I played it. Yeah, oh, I've been watching it. You know I, then. I... I <clears throat> Oh, something's in my throat. Ah, mm-hmm. I played mm-hmm. it, and I, I I don't know, like... Oh my god, quite, Matt! I didn't get quite as grabbed. Why are you so wrong about everything? First pillars, <laughs> and now this? No, 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 well, no, <laughs> no, 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 I, I mean, I didn't... I didn't, I didn't. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm. I'm just saying I didn't get oh, quite yeah. as grabbed to go back and play. When, you know, when I had free time. Well, the new version came out today, and for mm-hmm. the listeners in the future with your flying cars, today is Thursday, uh, April twenty third, and I don't exactly know how it compares to the early access version because I had, I didn't play that. Like, I still have my policy of not getting any early access versions, so I deliberately waited until the release of the full thing. Um, before requesting the review copy and getting the final code. And I still had a blast with it. I don't know how it compares to what you've played, though. Um, no, I, I could I make a difference. I played oh, legit shit. copy. Well, I guess yeah. I, I, no, 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 I, no, we just not, have to kill each other then. There, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just if I you don't like, like it as much as I do, part of the experience because I didn't have the dance pad. Yeah, me too. I can't, throat, um, George. I know it's, it's, uh, it's I, hard I feel to like resist. It would be a much better experience if I was dancing along with the music, feeling the beat with the with my leg movements instead of just you know using two fingers on the keyboard. I feel like I wasn't really getting the full on you know feel of the game of what it was trying to to you know say. And, and they know they have a dance pad mode right there on the main menu. You go to their website. They have a big fat link. Buy a dance pad for Necrodancer here with our friends at. Dance pads, Inc. And um, that's probably not actually the name of the company. It's something different, but you get the idea. And I, I guess it's important, though, to describe for listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about. Crypt of the Necrodancer is a rhythm-based roguelike in which you tap your directional keys to the beat of its background music to get your little pixel person to explore a dungeon and fight monsters and get loot out of chests and use that against the monsters. It's uh, a surprising for a music-based rhythm game, like it's the most kind of legit action genre that that I think rhythm games have gone to. Like, uh, like uh, Patapon is one I'm trying to remember that that was certainly more limited than than this, where you were moving in two directions. And this, you have all four directions. You have possibilities for combat, exploration, inventory management, shopping. There's there's an economy to it even, where there are stores and you do it all to the beat of the background music, which is Danny Baranowski from from Meat Boy, and uh, Binding of Isaac. So it's uh, very 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 deep and bouncy, with with a yeah. lot of kind of rubbery flutey sounds. I've never been really much of a music person. It's hard to describe. I kind of want to come back to it because I enjoyed it when I was at PAX and I got to mm-hmm. play it on the dance pad that they had set up in the indie Ooh. section. And let me tell you, as, as everyone says, indie section is always better than everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a dance pad. Because you can actually play. Yeah. And uh, it was fun to play it like that. But when I was sit down, you know, in, you know, in my in my underwear, just gross loading, loading it up. <laughs> And pressing two keys on the keyboard, I was just like, 
Oh man, I really wish I would have had it on dance pad. I feel like if I play it without the dance pad, it I'll be losing something. So I kind of want to come back to it yeah. after I get one, or and I that, get a converter for the one that my wife has. That makes me think it would probably be cheaper actually to get the converter, but that makes me think that maybe playing it. Mm, sorry, maybe playing it on the dance pad first might have spoiled playing it on a keyboard for you. Like maybe now that you've had mm. that experience of actually dancing to the music you're kind of supposed to be dancing to in game, maybe you just can't go back now. And maybe that's why you weren't enjoying it as much as I was. Yeah. That's Cause, cause your first that's impressions. First yeah. That was the yeah. first thought that came up in my head. I was like, I kind of want to do this with my feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Like some people were like, "Wow, I don't want to move when I'm playing games." With, I don't know. Like it, you, you know that feeling when you're like turning with your controller when you're playing a racing game with your controller mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That type of feeling is what I get when I'm, you know, playing it uh, on there. And especially if you could add your own soundtracks. Like I, I saw you in your video. <laughs> you put in a Hotline Miami and then some slow oh, yeah. ones as well. Roller was, Mobster works great. Mm-hmm. I, I also had the Day Man Cometh from It's always sunny are you guys are you guys familiar with with the uh the musical works of charlie mack and dennis no oh no never mind then i i had a few fun comments about that i would i would share but if we're not if we're not in on the joke they'll just they, they won't work <laughs> they'll just slide right it looked, up it looked like it would it would work well <laughs> on like i mean it doesn't look like something i'd i'd play for a long period of time but it seems like something that would work well on like mobile Maybe, yeah. Like tapping your fingers to the beam yeah. might work too. But the biggest problem I had with it was that the screen is super duper messy, which you can also kind of tell just from screenshots. Like a yeah. very, a very harsh. It's it's pixel art that's harsh. Um, a lot of sharp edges, a lot of things stacking on top of each other. Not a lot of kind of smooth color contrast between HUD elements in the background, and also the individual characters' palettes in the background. I imagine it gets even worse if your fingers are in the way of all that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, this is like the first time in my life I've really wanted a dance pad because I want to go through it again with a dance pad and see how different it is. And if I had one, I'd also have a great excuse to just get into dancing games in general and explore a genre that I still kind of have yet to really go through. That's always fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the uh, somber moment of silence. Before we have to move from our small talk to a few absolutely devastating news topics. <laughs> no, no, these are good. These are good. Yeah, no, they're good. They they are good for passionate discussions. Oh, we're, so, getting, um, we're getting passionate <laughs> this late at night? Oh, gosh. We, we are going to get passionate this late at night after a very quick break. Coming to a Dreamcast near you. You will feel the passion of Soulborn Caliber. Man, she's off the hook. Oh, perfect. Soul Caliber on Sega Dreamcast. It's thinking. Hello and welcome back to the TOVG podcast. We are we're about to go straight into like but one of these stories just just like it has me the most depressed, confused and angry I've been all year. I've, Gilly's got one coming up later. 
I, we're going to begin, though, with something that's not necessarily, like, infuriating or, or depressing, but just kind of weird. And that is, I don't know how closely you guys have been following the lead-up to Metal Gear Solid V, but it's, it's been rife with a lot of very crazy fan theories that, that seem way, way too kind of logically coherent to be fake and but at the same time they kind of tackle topics that that would seem absurd if it were any other game because because uh kojima and the metal gear solid games like to fuck with the fan base a lot (laughs) and this week we saw one of the absolutely most absurd ones like if there is a (laughs) Waiting for Metal Gear Solid 5 has to be like the most absurd wait for a video game in in history. It was it was first announced as an entirely different project by people no one knew about, which was the Phantom Pain by Joachim Mogren. And and just uh, this month, we're hearing stuff about the studio closing down, Kojima being firing from Konami, Konami going through all sorts of weird corporate restructures itself. And now we have a neurosurgeon in Cyprus named Dr. I believe Canavero who might okay i'm gonna start from the top here in the original phantom pain trailer released by joka mogren which was an anagram for hideo kojima where he used an actor to stand in for him covered in hand bandages uh there was a doctor in this trailer who now we're to about two years later on in the future looks an awful lot like a guy in cyprus who is getting ready to perform the world's first head transplant in two years he's a neurosurgeon who's been working on this for for years of his life and spent millions of dollars on research and and otherwise takes it fairly seriously however people on neogaf have found out that the doctor in the Phantom Pain looks remarkably similar to this doctor in Cyprus in real life, yeah. almost to the point where they are a dead ringer for each other. Like his face was scanned into the game, and since um the game's themes so often revolve around in the very name of the game, the the Phantom Pain refers to uh, people who have had their limbs dismembered for whatever reason, still feeling that after after their 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 missing limb. I'm not making much sense right now. Basically, the game's themes are about dismemberment and and strange medical procedures and the ethical implications thereof. This doctor's career is based on transplanting people's heads to and from bodies and the ethical and moral implications thereof. Very controversial stuff. And the... uh, artwork that this doctor also used or rather i guess people hired by him or his institution for tedx talks had very similar typography and art to metal gear solid um phantom pain materials with with v's all over the place and kind of a sleek gunmetal gray background with with sans font white and blue and gray on top of it with these everywhere the procedure is called heaven which is a word tossed around a lot in metal gear solid games referring to outer heaven which was the setting of the very first metal gear game and a lot of these similarities sound like pretty 
pretty crackpotty, like just straight up word associations like that. But there are some other parts of, of this story where the similarities between this doctor's work right now and also the game's marketing material are like almost uncanny. And it's absolutely yeah. insane because um, Kotaku UK actually tracked him down and had a phone interview with him. And the guy sounded completely clueless. <laughs> he uh, he said that he has never played a video game in his life. That he he takes his work fairly seriously. He is not hoaxing people, and that he is very very offended by the idea that people might think his very serious medical work is a marketing stunt. And he also says he plans to sue Kojima for right. using his likeness without permission. And that's where any any suspicion of this actually being a weird marketing stunt kind of gets thrown out the window when when serious legal implications like that are tossed out, especially when the last real marketing stunt, which was revealing this very big, important AAA game as some kind of um, weird, unknown indie thing by weird, unknown people, was much tamer in comparison. Like, uh, Jokum Mogren had no background, no, no credentials, no experience, no real way to contact him. On the other hand, Dr. Canavero is a real person who people have talked to, who has been in the business for years. He wrote a book that was published around 2013, if I'm remembering these, these facts right, at least. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, what do you guys... He, he what, seems I'm, like he really wants that money, though. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's another thing. Like, There's some quotes really in the interview. He sounds like a villain, almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> which like, brings it back around again. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, that... He's, he's like, I'm going to sue them. How, how much How much do you think this is going to $60 per game for 4 million copies? That could fund my research for a decade. Yeah, like, he's just like, what? the hell is going on like this is probably one of the the best news stories i've seen in a while like it's just like this is nuts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i I really wonder if he can get away with suing them there's no way there's absolutely no way yeah, they've yeah. they've come out. They have um talked about the actor they actually used for facial scanning. It's it's a oh. guy named Ian Moore, which is really confusing picture? too because they're actually yeah, there's a picture of him. He looks exactly like the doctor in the Phantom Pain, except the real guy is standing in a pitch black studio. He was in, he's a English actor in Japan. They hired him for facial scanning and voice I, maybe, but at least facial scanning because they they defended themselves. They were like, no, we did not look up this weird <laughs> neurosurgeon. This this creepy mad scientist. <laughs> out there in, in Eastern Europe, we, we used an actor who was right here in Japan. What a coincidence, um, dude. Like, I know. It, that's the thing. Like, this story really does seem like... It's ridiculous. ...the most absurd coincidence ever. For, yeah. for the most absurd hype and waiting period for a game ever. Well, actually, the whole thing... <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, I got really pissed earlier when you sent me this story. <laughs> because I I was look I was maybe like not even a week ago I was watching this this doctor's like speech that he was giving about this procedure that he was gonna do and I was like I just had nothing to do with video games and he's, nothing he's doing it on a game developer <laughs> is he yeah I didn't even the, know that the patient is a um executive for Wargaming Inc which is also based in Cyprus and that that makes it even weirder. I was I, I got mad because like I'm really into like science and stuff like I love science and, and, and all that and like I was like I was all excited last week about the idea of like being able just the idea of being able to fuse a spinal cord with that because that's insane 
That's mm-hmm. like that's crazy. And then you have all like, you know, the the psychological implications and stuff of like what can go wrong and all that. And so I was like super fascinated with it. Now I find out this guy's just a dick. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily a dick like he just sounds kind of clueless well it's not just that doesn't he doesn't mean... sound like that if you like listen he to what like red when he said yeah he sounds like he wants the it's, money like it's not it's really weird like if well, that's you read the post guy like people uh, who are listening read his post word for word and he's it's really creepy like man what it's gonna sell me i gotta sue this guy yeah, i gotta he's get super some of that hype money about it for for reference um <laughs> it's just just google Kotaku head transplant doctor Metal Gear conspiracy and you'll get the roundup of the story and then some quotes from their phone interview later on and yeah I'm gonna I agree he does kind of come off kind of villainous he, he comes off I like he would sell his wanna, family for his research oh my god that's Which, what it like, comes off as dude. but if you're if you're like dedicating <laughs> your career your life to something crazy like this uh, maybe <laughs> someone needs to make a movie of this guy like and at the end he like just goes crazy and starts like switching heads of his like family and stuff what like, if what if that is the plot <laughs> what if what if we are all just being rused along the ruse cruise oh gosh and, and are are playing a game about something in the real world Kojima cares a lot right now about which happens to be head transplant surgery K- Kojima's just messing about all this whole time. He's not really getting fired, blah, blah. Like, all of this is just a trick. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I know. That would be like, amazing, even though it's probably not true. But yeah. To be fair, anything that has happened previously and in, in during the wait for a Metal Gear Solid game has been considerably tamer than what seems to be going on with this one. <laughs> but that's because what has happened in the past has happened, which just gets everyone stoked for him to take it to the next level which means you can't trust anything which really sucks because i'm going to be doing a video about it a couple days from now Uh, but anyways weeks ago what's happening george i i'm sorry i had a big um important thing called a job that uh that that? demanded more of my time last week than but you're a youtuber (laughs) um george don't you get all your money from youtube YouTube? money yeah, um, what about my, that? My, my Don't YouTube you get paid fun so much money. I'm, I'm afraid have to take <laughs> Aren't second you priority. In the dough? I just I just went over your house Saturday, dude. Like your couch my is house, made out yeah, of dude, money. I was, I was no, you have your golden the house. Cat. <laughs> Cats aren't even made of gold. <laughs> Yours is a golden cat. Like I tripped over one on the way to like the fridge. <laughs> on the way to another cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that cat looks cool. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's another cat. I tripped yeah. over your obnoxious rich person thing and fell on another obnoxious rich person. Ah, oh, dude, thing. I tripped and fell on a pile of money. <laughs> Ow! Oh, <laughs> uh, shut up. Anyways, I'm sorry. Did that was that? I didn't mean to be rude. <laughs> I, I feel okay. I know I just told you to shut up, but I didn't mean it in a harsh way. I meant it in a playful, amicable he way. He meant it. No, he really did. No. No, I I meant it in a you know I, I, slap him on the sides I, I, way. Oh, on the sides, huh? <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> I feel Near the rear we've, end. Uh-huh. We've gone on. We've gone on about about this absolutely insane, crazy fan theory that has kind of boiled over into what may be an absolutely insane, crazy, stupid lawsuit. <laughs> it's. 
Mm. I think it's nuts. I think it's all a crazy coincidence that's really fun to read about. I really hope this guy doesn't sue anyone at Konami because they got their shit together, and I doubt he'll go anywhere with it. <laughs> but um, any anything else? We got we got anything anything to add to the insanity that is the latest Metal Gear Solid news? No, I, I, no. I just I just hope I it's all a game because I, I love this type of stuff. It's fun. Yeah, and as as crazy as it is, it's still fun. Yeah. Uh, were you gonna say something, Go? Nah. 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 Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Next up, we got something that I care deeply about, maybe more than I should. And that is that today's uh, update on Steam has revealed that the workshop now supports an option for paid mods. Hooray! Which brings up a whole lot of interesting <laughs> questions, a whole lot of different sides and opinions of varying degrees of validity that are all going to be very emotionally driven i am of the emotionally driven opinion that modding has historically been able to sustain itself as a uh kind of free unregulated grounds for kids and young learning game developers to experiment as side projects and that i think it is absolutely fine and inoffensive to be able to support those people for the countless hours of enjoyment they bring us however Locking their products behind a paywall, which is the case here, is absolutely absurd. So here's the way it works. There are now paid, payable, paid for... Uh, the, there's a section on the Skyrim workshop on Steam called Paid Items. That is mm. basically a marketplace for products you buy. And then, I guess, don't necessarily own, like, any other digital download softwares. You just kind of have a license to subscribe to it. But basically, you pay for a mod for a little bit of money, like any other product in your entire freaking life. And uh, the lowest price on there right now is 49 cents. The highest no, price is on there. Cents. I see a 25 cents for a ring sword. Oh, well, they've lowered it since the initial revelation then. The minimum I was seeing when they first rolled it out a few hours ago was 49 cents. So let's go from 25 cents then to $6 was, was the initial rollout. Now, as we are speaking, it's been out for a few hours. People are making joke mods that cost $99 for like to, to put a piece of poop on, on a table and white run. Um, okay, okay. But anyways, starting from the top... <clears throat> The idea is that you pay a microtransaction amount of money, anywhere from $25 to $6, $0.25 cents to $6, for a mod that uh, would otherwise, as of yesterday, be completely, totally, 100% free. And they come with a 24-hour refund guarantee, so you at least got that going for you. They also have a pay-what-you-want option on many of these mods. However, Even the free unlike versions? Uh, uh, like a tip jar for the free versions? No? No, only on the paid ones. Okay. And the pay-what-you-want option actually does not include a free option. You can pay what you want as long as it's over $0.25 cents in increasingly wider intervals up your way to $99. Hmm. Some examples of, of the selections they did use to showcase this on day one that they had planned for us are a 50-cent mod called Lambda Locator, which is a very short two-step 
story quest inspired by the game Half-Life. On completion of the quest, you are rewarded with the crowbar, Gordon Freeman's weapon choice. That will run you 50 cents. For $6, you can have the Midas Magic Gold Edition, which is a Skyrim version of an Oblivion mod that adds in pack of 80 new and unique spells with custom graphics and effects. For $2, you can download Art of the Catch, Animated Fishing, which adds an animated fishing system to Skyrim. For $2. And then I guess the important thing to remember here is that these are mods. The price doesn't necessarily change them. They are made by fans. They weren't made by anyone employed by Valve, Steam, or Bethesda. These, uh... And because of that, they don't necessarily come with the kind of expectation and standard of quality that you expect out of working professionals, which, you know, has been a solid line differentiating real DLC from free mods that are made by the community. There are some instances in the past where mods have been paid for that have been like super shady and legit and not legit. Some of the most, I would argue, fair and rep- respectable examples of that are teams and individuals that take donations to continue to make mods. Some people do have careers making high quality user-made content for games that they start with a Patreon. I think what could have easily been done here is just kind of adding a more obtrusive donation or pay what you want button to the workshop rather than actually locking content behind a paywall. Yeah. Because as someone who grew up playing a whole lot of, and I still play a whole lot of mods, but also someone who made mods, the 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 kind of expectation that you were being held to any kind of standard was never really an option. Like, what I see happening here are users getting extremely wary to the idea of mods being downloaded at all. I see um, publications and YouTube channels that review mods being much more relevant because now people are charging money for them. I see people who would otherwise not go through the hoops and the loops and the troubles of dealing with modding their games now kind of conflating that idea with DLC, figuring that their hard-earned money goes towards some degree of support and professional development from actual game developers to keep the thing that they bought for working in their game, finding out that's not necessarily the case, that mods are awfully unbalanced and completely unsupported, and just stepping out of of, of the prospect of modding altogether. I see also modders themselves kind of infighting and and uh, ripping each other's reputations to shreds once one of them starts asking money for what has been typically uh, accepted without trouble as free and um, that causing all sorts of trouble as well. Like, there's already a whole lot of drama around um, compilation mod packs surrounding modders using other modders' work without permission when no money is involved like how how much more vitriol is there going to be in this community once once real life cash is involved i see problems involving copywritten content being sold for money like mods usually get safely ignored by all the red tape in the um by by all the red tape associated with copyright law issues because they're making no money from them and even then if you're still raising money for the modders from a donation system you can argue well they're making money from the donations and not the mods themselves that's not the case here because you are paying money for a product that you receive after the transaction is complete you can in no way argue that the modder is getting financial is not getting financially compensated for their mod that may be infringing on another copyright and one of the first ones they're rolling out here you have them using the namesake of half-life with the the crowbar in there and i doubt they could honestly 
choose to to sue over the use of a freaking crowbar and also this is valve on valve's own workshop marketplace but uh, uh, people it's it's completely unregulated there are official statements by bethesda saying <clears throat> Unlike other curated games on Steam that allow users to sell their creations, this will be the first game with an open market. It will not be curated by us or Valve. It was essential to us that our fans decide what they want to create, what they want to download, and what they want to charge. There is an excellent full conversion of Medieval 2 Total Warfare that reskins everything to look like uh, Middle Earth. There's an excellent full conversion of Medieval 2 Total Warfare that completely reskins everything to look like Zelda. They're great mods wow. that are totally built upon other IPs and they are able to get away with this by number not one charging. not charging for it and also number two not making a standalone game off of this and once you're charging money for that that opens an incredible amount of can of, cans of worms and you would think there would be some kind of vetting process to this but that's not the case right now you can get on the steam marketplace and see there's someone selling horse genitals high resolution horse <laughs> genitals for skyrim for 99 dollars it's i'm oh, not kidding seriously that's not bad <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Matt. sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, yeah, come on, ninety nine dollars to see like a big old horse junk. Yeah, you know? sign me up for a. See what I'm saying? Gil know what I'm talking about. Gil know what I'm talking nuts. about. Hell, you guys are genitals, nuts. man. Show me okay, your how genitals. About this? <laughs> We're nuts for genitals. Ninety nine dollars. <laughs> this mod is called "I Am Rich." God. <laughs> if we can stop talking about horse dicks for one second. <laughs> I've, I've uh, sent you all a link to a mod called I Am Rich. For listeners, you can Google it. I Am Rich Steam Workshop Skyrim which should get you here. The The preview picture is just a black screen and like offensive cursive font that's green that says <laughs> I, I Am, am Rich. Offended. This is like Lucida handwriting. The, the mod is $99. It adds a strong Daedric greatsword on a long table in uh, Dragon's Reach and Whiterun. It adds two of these swords to a table in Whiterun. $99. There's um, something called Main Menu for $5 that uh, allows you to sort your save games by your character's first names. There's a mod called Kill Jurlov that allows you to kill the quest giver of that $2 um, Half-Life mod called Lambda Locator. This is, this is a paid mod that wow. alters content of another paid mod. <laughs> wow. It's, wow. It's nuts. And also $99 horse dick. <laughs> Which is pretty much the best thing on there. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, but uh, but wait, there's more. More horse dick? <laughs> oh. Wait till you hear how these people get paid for their mods. Horse dick? They don't get paid in horse dicks. <laughs> they get paid in a 25% rev share of the gross oh, revenue that sweet. they earn. 75% <laughs> of the money that their mod makes goes to either Steam or Bethesda with how, however they have their arrangement made up. 25% of it goes to the mod maker. If they reach a $100 minimum of that 25%, which means that $400 worth of fan contributions have to be made to this particular mod for them to see a payout at all. And that payout will be in $100 of Steam fun bucks. Fun bucks. Fun. <laughs> it's great. That's fucking repulsive. Who do they so think they are? Nintendo? 
It's highway fucking oh, robbery. Shit. I know. Oh, yeah, no. Topical. Uh, uh, this is. Has Nintendo <laughs> done anything? Has EA done anything that I find this repulsive? I don't even know. I don't know how how like much you guys are into modding and whatnot, but I I hold the modding scene near and dear to my heart. I want. A, a healthy modding scene to flourish for almost any game that can possibly s- support it. I, I hope this shit dies straight out of the gate. I hope it trips, falls on the ground on its face, and this never gets back die. up again. Anything with money involved is not gonna die. It's gonna, I, it's still just gonna change it if it, you know, gets ugly, and then it's still gonna, gonna still rape that money. I mean, that money's good. I, I that depresses me in, incredibly. Like, I don't understand how anyone who knows what they're doing on a computer would want to pay money for this. Because on another hand, like, I, I guess a lot of these mods are going to end up on the Steam Workshop exclusively if the modder wants to get greedy and make money about it. The modder getting greedy, that's a weird concept that uh, is going to tear people apart from one another. Um, but I hate the Steam Workshop. I'd rather use the Nexus. The Steam Workshop is a load of garbage where every automatic update that either the mod or the game gets ends up breaking one another. That's another fucking issue you got to deal with with this bullshit. Mods don't oftentimes don't work right after the game itself patches when when dlc is made by the actual developer they they're kind of expected to be held to some degree of continued support over it that's not the case with uh with mods the every time skyrim got patched for instance the skyrim script extender which allowed you to use a whole bunch of mods oh my god it's such a can of worms there there are mods that enable other mods to work that have to be updated whenever the game gets updated once it's like you Minecraft have to, all over again. Minecraft lives and breathes off of its modding scene. Yeah. It's it's incredibly disappointing. And this 25% rev share thing is just like it's highway fucking robbery. We as YouTubers, for for the money we do make off of off of YouTube, which which we oftentimes like to talk shit about, we we get a bigger share than that. Yeah. Yeah, which is sad. Wait, Which when, is nuts. The, we when you're comparing it to that. That's, that's I know a, that's a, 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 point. a ten minute seven twenty p video file is gonna be like about eight hundred to a gigabyte, and and those are bigger files than a lot of these little armor sets and and quick little texture replacers that would theoretically cost uh, our companies more money to host. And yeah. we still get a bigger cut from the advertising sold on our videos than these modders who are getting a smaller cut from fans actually handing over their money for the product. It, I do not understand this at all. And and when I... Oh my god. When I saw headlines saying that, that Steam now offers financial compensation for the modders. I was like, oh, I bet they just made the donation button. <laughs> they, they made a donation button, like in, in lieu of the YouTube tip jar or something. Yeah. Or that they just kind of filtered every mod download past a a kind of pay-what-you-want mm-hmm. checkout process where like in Bandcamp you can um you kind right. of have to say you kind of have to consciously type in I want to pay zero dollars <laughs> right. and get a little bit of a guilt trip. And, and you have to and, put in your email. 
and so no they can one, send you stuff. But, but even then, like that's kind of a system where no one, no one's really complained about that, have they? No. Like you can why get music not? for free, but you're also pressured to pay the creator for it. But you can still get the music for free, which is like so important for keeping a, a healthy, open, creative scene going. When, when the name of the game is like pure experimentation, which is what modding has historically been all about. And it it just seems like so absurd to me, too, as as so many economic developments and like this century have been uh, moves on how to provide paid content that is not necessarily supported by the fans own money like like YouTube working its way off of ad sales and and also um, musicians kind of working their way off of off of Bandcamp donations uh, and um, I guess the free to play games would would also kind of be another another controversial example of of that marketplace of companies kind of figuring out ways to get products out for free without necessarily charging the customer for a product uh, as an individual transaction and this is even more weirder because it's an individual charging another person for for their product speaking about charging other people for products GameStop oh god (laughs) so we're moving from a weird story that's kind of crazy and funny and cute to something that I am just absolutely depressed over now we're moving over to something that Gil is absolutely depressed over I have not heard about this yet I waited for it so so Gil can explain this to me my blood is boiling right now (laughs) So So we all did, I think. Yeah, (laughs) we've all done our GameStop time. Good, thank God. You didn't get paid with their crummy little credit card scheme where you have to go to an ATM and pay a tip (laughs) to get your hard-earned money. (laughs) I hated it so much. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. So GameStop is taking trade-ins for retro games and consoles. And they started this recently. I I had a feeling something like this was going to happen because they recently started taking in PlayStation 2s for trading, which I was which was pretty cool because I had a few PlayStation 2s lying around and they they took 20 or 25 bucks for them, um, which is a pretty good deal if you just have stuff laying around. But I knew that meant something else was coming. And basically, the situation is I think they're going all the way back to NES, but nothing before that. They're testing this out in... New York City, which is where I live, and Birmingham, Alabama, and I guess they're, they're <laughs> which is a weird duality. <laughs> well, I kind of yeah. Well, I guess that's the point. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So they can see yeah. how it works in two very different markets. Um, but here's here's the thing: they're taking in consoles and games, and they're well. The one the one cool the one thing that I kind of like if. <laughs> As a collector who has some broken stuff laying around, they're only visually inspecting games. And they're not fully testing consoles. They're pretty much just testing power on consoles. Which is, like, far less than what they do even typically. Like, they usually have a console behind the desk that they put your disc in and test. But, well, that's the thing, though, is that now they're not going to have a bunch of CRTs in GameStop. And they're not going to have, like, ways to to hook these consoles up and make sure they work. And who knows if they're even going to take... Like, the PS2s didn't have to be complete, so they could take in an NES that doesn't have anything with it. So some some employees at this point might not even know how to test that stuff. And they're, uh... 
uh, basically they're they're t they're getting all this product and they're shipping it out to some I don't know where it is I, f I forget what where it was but they're shipping it out to this place where they're going to um they're going to refurbish them and then they're going to resell them online but they're taking all the consoles that are quote unquote unfixable and <laughs> they're they're tossing them so if they oh think my they God. can't yeah so if they think they can't fix them they're throwing them out and as like I'm a collector so I'm very deep in this whole this whole thing <laughs> and as somebody who collects often if a console's broken you can salvage pieces from it right. whether it be whether it be some kind of metal shielding inside of it whether it be the shell on the outside it's in better condition than the one you have you can always salvage pieces and frankenstein something back together that's a that's a big part of the collecting scene and they're just going to toss all these things and and even then like there's uh there's people that make reproduction uh cartridges and stuff that have to cannibalize um other cartridges you know, so if there's mm -hmm. if there's broken carts, a lot of times they get reused. So they're that that's all that's right off the bat. That's a problem. They're going to end up uh, charging top dollar for these things because which is also oh, nuts. So, so yeah. they're going to be a reseller, basically the one yes. of the worst resellers ever. And here's why: <laughs> like GameSpot value, GameStop value. Sorry. GameStop doesn't get it. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to dive into a market that they haven't been part of since before they swallowed up Funko Land. And <laughs> uh, the... Okay, the, the retro market is... The pr prices fluctuate so often that there's no real way to, to gauge a... Pro like, if you're trying to be a retailer, you're trying to be a reseller of games, like, GameStop's gonna want to make a profit, so they're gonna take this shit in for, like, nothing and then sell it for as as much as they can because knowing GameStop they're not going to make the profit they're trying to make which is they in which is ridiculous because the people who are looking for that are going to know what the real price should be exactly and, and even though it does fluctuate incredibly depending on the game and its condition retro game collecting is not really an expensive hobby the, these games are well at least <laughs> last time Whoa. I was doing it <laughs> yeah. well yeah I guess but I don't yeah. know I remember around um 2006 to 8 when I was still buying my old NES carts they were usually like 2 to 3 dollars a pop they that, weren't that's, that's that, still that, the case? Ship, that ship sailed a long time wow. ago yeah. Yeah. that yeah. ship sure sailed did. about the time that ship sailed about the time that YouTube started covering retro games oh yeah. is that do you think that's yeah. what did it yeah, yeah. Um, okay absolutely yeah because uh, you can barely find anything. It, it, what's so sad, though, is it, when you watch someone come in at GameStop and they trade in expensive gear and get nothing for it. Mm -hmm. $25 hurt even more store value. If, if they come in Fun with, bucks. like, with all these rare games from, uh, from NES, uh, uh, SNES, whatever stack them on the on the store shelves and they give them like pennies for them and i you would know what, just though? cry but a lot of retro stores do that though and mm -hmm. it's it oh, pisses yeah. me off because i've seen it happen i've seen it happen in front of my face where somebody took literally hundreds of dollars worth of rare games for a dollar a pop and you don't say that you don't say anything oh seven or oh eight well no because i didn't have time nor i'm the kind of person where i don't care i'll snake it if I if I see somebody doing that, I'm gonna go up to him and be like, "Yo, you saw?" Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I would do. <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's yeah, a wild, yeah, it's the Wild Ta West. I don't care. <laughs> Tap them on the shoulder while they're in front of the counter talking to the guy. No, I, yeah, yeah, I've done exactly. that. I've done it. I've huh. done it exactly. Yeah, because you know the thing is, is that like, and it, and it's funny because I, I had a little cool. I had a little back and forth from uh, Ian um, from the uh, CU podcast. 
and uh, he, we, I said, I commented on a, a video recently about about that that thing, and he got really pissed. And I was like, well, listen, like a, a lot of times, the people that are taking these trade ins aren't people that own the store, and they usually don't care. They're usually just some kids working there, and they don't really give a shit either way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whatever. But uh, the thing is, though, is that this whole thing, I'm not really sure who this is supposed to appeal to because the the whole collecting scene is still like it's a very niche market it's not gamestop's and, usual customer yeah, yeah it's and, not and the people who who are after those games are going to know what they're worth yeah and <laughs> i i guess like this they're trying to the only thing that would really appeal to are the people that were like you know, they're in their like maybe like mid twenties, late thirty or uh, early thirties, and like, yeah, I remember playing Nintendo when I was a kid. I'll pick up that game that's worth five dollars for thirty five. Nope. I don't. I nope. don't get it. But you know, you were mentioning about how the price of NES cartridges have gone up. That that certainly seems to be the case. I got on eBay just now and typed in Zelda NES. Oh, gosh. the top one is twenty two forty nine for yeah. just like the usual. Like they made millions of these things. They're not rare. No, but I guess what I bought for three dollars uh, six years ago is now like twenty dollars. Yeah, apparently. Zelda's worth about twenty. That's <laughs> a whole lot more than I thought it was. <laughs> the reading funny over part the story. about that is that there's so much there's so much misinformation because a lot of people that don't know any better assume things like I got the original gold cartridge Zelda it's gold <laughs> that was it that the was gray ones the gray ones are more uncommon than the gold ones are to be fair like that was the entire marketing strategy <laughs> since the 80s was to make this gold ass cartridge feel like it had more value than than it actually did yeah like if you find a Zelda game that's not gold it's probably the exception not the norm <laughs> so yeah so basically what games Stop is doing is they're taking all these games, they're refurbishing them, and then they're going to sell them online. Which what I don't understand. Oh, 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 what, oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> they're not going to auction it off, man. If they do that, that'd be okay. That's the, that, see, like this is what I don't get because oh if it, you know at least if it was in store, I could kind of get it. But yeah. it's like there's already there's already Amazon, there's already eBay, and we we all know about that. And I was those, looking those at the, it just now. Those are the places that you go. Eat, listen, eBay, and sometimes there's an exception on eBay. You snag something for a good price. All right. But for the most part, eBay and Amazon is where you go when you cannot find the thing that you really want and you're willing to shell out extra money for it. So I don't really understand what the appeal of going to GameStop.com to buy a retro game would be. I cannot believe this. When you said that, like, I seriously had to do a double take because being able to buy retro games in person, that's always been a good resource. Like, I get that the prices would be ridiculous, but I kind of wish I had that service back like six or seven years ago when I was doing it because it's just convenient. Like, it it still serves a purpose in the world. Well, it also means something different because it's it's funny because it's I mean, it's it's hard to explain but a the big hunt. part of the well yeah and the big part of a big part of collecting retro games is that nostalgia like holding that cartridge in your hands yeah. mm-hmm. and going out and finding that thing and and that thing that you it's yours you want it now you have it in your hands that's that's part of it it's not fun to go online and buy something no and no, now, I, I still, I still, I, it still tickles my like inner consumer shame. If you get a good price for it, but if you shell out the money for what a game is worth, there's no real satisfaction. 
But whatever. I think the thing that bothers me the most, though, now is they're... All right, so they don't, they're only creating one skew per game, and that means that condition is irrelevant. Um, okay. What, yeah. what, what if it's like a more rare edition? It doesn't like, matter. Like they, a, they, they've made different versions of Ocarina of Time. Like if Ganon's blood is red in the yeah, final no boss way. fight of Ocarina, it's like worth one hundred twenty dollars more. Not even, well, that's it's not going to matter. Like it's not going to matter at all because they have one skew per game. They they don't take into account condition and they don't take into account whether or not it's complete. You know, box, manual, or especially if it's a CD game. Uh, disc disc based games. A lot of collectors don't want just the disc at all. So they they nope. have absolutely no idea what they're doing, and they're doing it wrong. Yes, and I'm actually worried that they might throw out boxes and manuals, which are very valuable for a lot of games. It and, and it, it they're going to go away forever. They're not it, making more of those. Yeah, it often doubles the price of games. So they're not going to. I mean, <laughs> you could luck out and get a game for less than it's worth if they if they put the box with it and you got it for the price of the loose cart. But that's not the way I'm thinking it's going to go. And just this God. whole thing, this whole thing is ass backwards. And I'm just really, really worried about what's that, going to happen. That's like the theme of this week. Things are ass backwards. Whoa, like like the image. hot. <laughs> the, the ass is on the front and, and the dick is on the back. Like. Oh. Okay, we have we have the craziest fan theory for Metal Gear Solid Five is just some clueless old man stuck in the middle of it who got greatly offended about it and wants to sue the company now because it completely backfired. We have Steam having modders charge money for mods, which was like the one defining line that has kind of been defining what a mod is as opposed to everything else in the world for 20 years there's there's GameStop selling hot new AAA games for exorbitant amounts of money with with all these upselling schemes now doing that to old like super niche retro games no one cares about well except for you know the niche and and also uh, my my last story I have on the docket here that I, I don't know. You guys may be more incensed about this than I am. I was absolutely incensed earlier about about these other stories we we're hearing, but a lot more people on the internet are kind of more incensed about me, and that's kind of because I, I don't think I have as deep a personal connection with this franchise as others. The Star Wars Battlefront has been officially revealed. Last week, uh, me and Jimmy and everyone were joking about how the teaser webpage they set up said, all your fantasies will be revealed tomorrow with the timer countdown for a trailer. That trailer eventually came out. It's kind of it's a weird trailer. It's kind of a cinematic um, in engine assets, but the camera angles and the quality and fidelity are clearly bumped up to what the gameplay is just not going to be able to look like. And also, uh, well, people did, say did it you guys like that? Just people say it, it might, it might look like that. Well, the, people but, played it at the oh event. my god, but there was no HUD. There, there was no first person yeah. view. You, you did not see the characters screw up. Like that is critical. That, that's the difference right, between right, right. a cinematic trailer. Well, you say you were oh. talking about graphics. Is what I'm saying. And, and, and it might, especially it. because there's a PC version. Yeah, people were playing on PS4 and they said it still looked good. That's, like, that's like a trailer. Good, I get. Have you guys watched this trailer? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's like it's, I it's, have not. Oh, well, it it's fine, I guess. It just kind of it's really weird. Like it's it's Star Wars battle on Endor from Return of the Jedi in the forest. Everything looks like it should, 
but everything kind of moves and sounds in a way that kind of put me off in, in a really hard to describe way. And I think it's because I want to go back and rewatch and double check this, but I think they might actually be veering away from the like classic 30 year old Star Wars music and sound effect library, which <laughs> I I should technically be okay with like I don't I'm not I'm not I didn't watch this and feel super strong emotions over how weirded out I was by the audio work but last week Jimmy was talking about something called AAA audio design where they kind of exaggerate the incredibly quiet like clinks and clanks of armor and whatnot that is so evident here and and it's also got a very battlefieldy style of chatter going on you remember those um dinky looking rebels in return of the jedi who had like this giant gray crescent helmet on mm. with like a black vest and and gray button-up shirt underneath imagine one of those guys saying in the voice of a like 30 year old grizzled or like mid 20s battlefield soldier saying we gotta lay down some heavy suppressing fire oh wow it doesn't it doesn't the the voice and the sounds they they don't match the visual i don't understand oh they say that in the trailer yeah he it might not be exactly i think i think he didn't say suppressing fire i think he said heavy fire he says lay down some heavy fire if i'm remembering it correctly and it really weirded me out because no one in the Star Wars universe, like they still talk about like war and battle stuff. They just, I don't know, didn't really adhere to the modern day standard of like saving Private Ryan defined combat scenes. Yeah, I, it's I, really hard to describe. I, I would hope that Dice doesn't um, battlefield it up with the whole um wildly like cursing all over the place guys constantly like yeah. saying stupid stuff like it gets really really annoying we're getting really rammed quick. up the ass out <laughs> yeah 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 that's exactly how it is the battlefield soldier oh, yelled as the of... enemy team captured his point yeah it's i and and i doubt it's it, i mean it's not they're not gonna say we're getting rammed out the ass out here in a star wars game but there's still a guy in this trailer. Like, you know how it kind of echoes, even though it, Battlefield Chatter echoes, even though it's an outdoor game. It, it's, that's, that's, that's always been something that's kind of weirded me out. But I guess over the years, it kind of became an endearing Battlefield thing. Seeing, hearing that in the Star Wars universe really weirds me out. And it's like it's so hard to describe. Gil, you need to watch this once we're done because the trailer, the visual style of the game looks on point. Everything looks exactly like it should. It, it looks like, visually speaking, the the Star Wars Battlefield clone of your dreams, but the sound is the sound design is Should I watch it muted weird. first and then rewatch it with audio? Perhaps. Perhaps. For, for me, Dice always does a really good job with audio design to the uh -huh. point that I, I just can't. I, I play Battlefield just because of that. Um, it's really it's they usually sound really fucking good, which is funny because Star Wars games have always worked off of an established library of thirty year old sound effects that are gonna sound way behind the times. Like if you play any of the Jedi Knight games nowadays, they sound older than they actually are. Yeah. And I think that's part of what weirded me out so much is that Dice is doing their own audio work here, which is like a super weird thing to complain about. 
because I, I I know none of you guys are really into headphones, but uh, I'm into headphones, so I get like one with a really good sound stage, and playing mm-hmm. that and feeling the action oh, around man. you is ridiculous. You know, I really really miss my surround sound headphones. I played Battlefield Battlefront Two, or what was the the good one, the previous good one before Battlefield Three? It was Bad Company Two. Yeah, I had a surround sound headphone for the first Ooh. few months of that game before it broke because those things are really finicky and fragile you don't need a surround sound headphone. i know but even then it still sounded pretty it it, it makes a difference uh, surround sound and in your headphones sometimes what? i mean of course it depends on the game and how you have the software set up uh, to make sure that they use the the other channels appropriately yeah but uh, well that's a long conversation we can have i later. know i know it's a can <laughs> of worms yeah, but yeah. I've 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 been there. I've felt the difference. It does exist. It is probably kind of over exaggerated by the marketers, but I do miss it. Yeah. But, okay. Whatever. Yeah. I think. I I don't know. We were talking about how it's like weird to complain about sound in a Star Wars trailer. Yeah. Yeah. But I I really want to see it from I because I, I really hope it's really good. I don't want anything sounding over exaggerated. I, and I, I generally don't want the voice acting. I wonder if they ever have an option to turn that stuff off. Voice I, acting? I generally hope most things in the world turn out good, but the internet is uh, pessimistic. The The state of, of AAA gaming has kind of trained them to be pessimistic, I guess. Yeah. Which is why people already don't like this. The reason I think I hanged on to, hung on to the trailer for so long is because that's probably the most concrete preview material we have right now. What happened after that trailer, though, was um, developers started answering questions on Twitter. And the questions, naturally, this is the internet, got very accusatory. The developers got defensive. So, Ooh. this is a really weird announcement period where they've kind of confirmed more about what the game doesn't have than what it is scheduled to have and one of the first things they made clear is that space battles which were a big feature of battlefront 2 are not there they they kind of sugarcoat it with some some airplanes that are going to be flying above the ground battles like in a battlefield game but the space battles were kind of a unique feature that uh, the Battlefield didn't have. I mean, Battlefront wasn't totally a Battlefield clone because it had a good third-person camera system, a kind of, like, delayed, uh, slow-moving projectiles that required you to lead targets, which is an interesting combat dynamic that all the Star Wars games have out of necessity to the franchise. Uh, there's also a lot of predictions going on about the map count because the older games would have map counts that that like veered towards the the late teens all the way up to the early 30s and here they don't have a specific account Uh, all they've told us is that it's more than eight maps uh divided between four planets which i guess means that they can reuse texture assets and decorations between those maps which is like fine i guess i don't know uh, on, a, on a one level i really don't feel the nostalgic connection a lot of fans do towards this game i've always just kind of thought of it as a decent battlefield clone and i guess that's all really they'd have to accomplish here in my point of view mm. but it's also sparking a lot of conversations about just how much less you get out of a conventional action game nowadays than two generations ago uh it, another absolutely depressing thing is that they've announced dlc the day the game was announced 
Uh, it's called oh, Battle of Jakku. Come on. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, pre-order the game, you, you know, get at, at exclusive first, this DLC. Never really annoyed me. At first, I was like, oh, you know, oh, people are just like, whatever, you know, first day DLC. But it's starting to get worse, and everyone is starting to do it. And it's, uh, and, and it also kind of confirms that any real argument the developers make behind them not working on DLC at the same time they're working on the game is complete bullshit because this DLC is going to be ready the day the game comes out only for the people who pre-ordered the game before it came out. Oh, it's just it's starting to hurt, man. Yeah, and it's the it same hurts. way when we're talking about uh, free to play games with uh, po- Pokemon sh- um, Shuffle and uh, Pokemon Rumble, where you kind of feel weird when it has those type of things are in the game. If you have those type of things in your game, I feel kind of kind of weird. You know, I, I felt weird yeah. after knowing that Last of Us had like like gestures, gestures. you know Jesus. like like when you, when you showed me that i was like man i'm glad when i was playing the game i didn't see that because it, it just is, makes is, me feel icky it's it's uh i mean it's the, the kind that's of not that bad but yeah. it's the kind of stuff that um modders have been making completely for free out of the goodness of their heart for 20 years and uh it's just, it's just let's just poo on that it's it's weird Let's when it's take a big... on, on a, a really good game and yeah. it, if like for instance a game that I adore like Kingdom Hearts like if mm-hmm. that comes out and then this first day DLC I don't I don't know how I would feel to be honest I'm be used to just buying RPG. a game because it's retro like Kingdom Hearts is retro like you buy a game you you put it in you know there's no oh God, there's I no patches old. there's no patches there's none of that you just play the game you know it's just, it's an old old style back then before DLC and 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 internet being on your console all the time and stuff speaking and, of DLC and internet being on your console another thing that I think is so incredibly important that uh, modern games miss out on is a sense of historical preservation you get out of being able to play it offline at all times mm. um, Star Wars Battlefront the first two games had great options for bot matches the game was a hell of a lot of fun completely right. by yourself even though it was built as a multiplayer shooter uh, this one's still going to have offline bots, but the devs don't really want to like clarify enough to make the fans feel good about it. So instead of having a straight up offline single player campaign, which I think is kind of stupid to attach to a multiplayer game, I'm all about the bot matches. But instead of having a straight up instant instant action bot match kind of mode, you do your 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 experience with bots are broken up into missions that uh that they seem to be um pushing their co-op features towards like you can't just play the game as it was intended to be played mm-hmm. but offline with stupid bots you kind of have to be playing a special mode they set aside for the offline people with bots mm-hmm. 20 years from now when the game servers go down which makes me sad because that means people in the future will never be able to know what this game plays like right now I know this this podcast was full of very depressing news topics. Yeah, I but, remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember when yeah. that was the thing. I remember playing Section Nine. If anyone remembers that, that's an OD uh, Xbox game, Xbox uh, 360, and it had like bot matches that you could play offline. Uh, even the online mode had a few bots in them to to make it feel like real players. Um, it's just weird. I don't know. Just, I just just weird. I, and it, and I, mm. I guess, like, it's a little biased because I'm, like, so heavily into retro stuff, but, like, honestly, I like new stuff to an extent, but it's, like, 
I really miss just being able to put a game in a console and then it plays. Oh, that, that's yeah. even I love that. <laughs> even it's, when everything is working the way you think it would. Like that's not quite the case. Like remember when we were setting up my Wii U, Matt? Yeah. Remember how long that took and how it had to update? Oh no, the Wii. That's bullshit. That yeah, that Wii U. Or, no, that no. I don't even mean that. I mean in general. Like right before, like say GameCube era. Okay. Like yeah. I put the, the put the disc in it. I press it and then I play a game. That's you don't have to worry about your internet not working, especially back yeah. in the days. Remember back in the days with those um, AOL free free trial <laughs> dial-up. It it really it broke my heart when I got the PS4, and I can't laugh because I'm having horrible memories of what it was like opening up this PS4, which was a Last of Us bundle, and finding that it didn't have a disc inside of it. It had a download code. It did not mm. have the game pre-installed. It had a piece of paper with a code on the back of it. Gorgeous. Oof. Which meant if you don't have the internet that particular hour you're opening up, if you're a kid on Christmas Day, you have to wait four hours for this game to download. If you are on vacation and, and a relative gives you this and you all want to gather around the family TV, it's not going to happen because... Uh, well, you know what? Like even more... Like even when you buy physical discs now, there's no manual... Yeah. There's nothing, and, and if your console is hooked up to the internet, and you still buy the disc, you have to wait for updates. <laughs> they they make it extremely oh, difficult to ooh. opt out of that. Actually, Nintendo did something that pissed me off recently. Because oh, I really? Was, what yeah, a yeah, surprise! Yeah, crazy concept. <laughs> but no, um, so Smash Four has this the, the feature where you can save your uh, your matches and you can mm -hmm. rewatch them. Okay, so I have all these cool things that happened to like random cool shit that happened during matches. Like, oh yeah, I'll save that. I'll save that. So I have a bunch from saved. Well, the newest Smash update makes all of your old replays uh, corrupt, and you can't watch them. So That's, and and it doesn't even delete is, them. You actually ha you still have them, but you can't view them. You have to go in and manually delete them. Oh my. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> it's uh, it's bullshit. I tell you, straight straight bullshit. It's sad. Yeah. But I guess it's really weird having this week of, of really sad news happen this year, because I've kind of liked the games that have come out this year. But on the other hand, like the state of the industry and just like some of the stuff some companies are able to get away with these days is nothing short of just disheartening. Charging money for horse dicks. That's, that's oh. it. Yeah. And, and now it's not even companies doing it. It's, it's the individual. It's a little kid who thought it would be hilarious to charge money for horse dicks. It is and pretty hilarious, though. It's, <laughs> I like how you <laughs> you switched modes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I. It is hilarious. I'm just too sad to laugh. <laughs> I feel nothing anymore. Haha. Ha, I guess. <laughs> Alright, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, no. we are going to wrap ourselves up and go oh. lie in bed awake and not be able to sleep at night because of this. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. lose sleep. I, I'm going to be thinking about no, horse I, penis. I am. I am, because I care a lot about mods. Like, I would not be able to make the content I was making today if I did not have the freedom to mod my game and, and people chipping in and giving feedback and, and kind of contributing to my very brief exploration of game development as a Quake 3 modder back in the day when, when I was making maps and mods for the Jedi Knight games, which ran on the Quake 3 engine. Like, I, that's a part of me. I grew up with it. It, it, 
has heavily contributed to what I know about games today and now what I make like half of my money off of from this channel. And I just I that is why I care so much that, that the mod scene stays and stays healthy. And I it, it breaks my heart to to see these these practices that look like the most the absolute worst that capitalism has always had to offer bleed over into a market that has always been so like free and and borderline communistic in a way where people just make stuff out of the goodness of their heart for everyone for the hell of it like there's and i'm not saying they shouldn't get paid for their hours i'm just saying there's absolutely nothing wrong with supporting it in a way that gives them more than like 25% of the money they help make their bosses earn and also not locking out kind of isolated or disadvantaged people from still being able to enjoy their hard work. Right. It, it, it breaks my heart. There's really no other way I can describe it. Well, there you go. Uh, There you go. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Good night. We'll see and, you guys uh, next time. Yeah. On the TOPG podcast. I hit, take it away, Matt. I'm, I'm done.